You're listening to the Being Business Savvy Show with your host, Dr. Savvy. This podcast series aims to share best practice in the arenas of effective program and change management via relevant tools and techniques. We also feature exciting guests with incredible business insights and innovative ideas. Our documentary style format helps to make knowledge sharing more fun, dynamic and engaging. If you'd like to be featured on the show, please contact us by sending an email to ttt at savvyleaders.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, on with the show. I'm your host, Dr. Savvy, and every week we try to bring some amazing people to showcase their fantastic talents. And this time now we've actually got Paminder Kaur Mann, and it's great to have you. I know you're a very busy person. You are CEO of Bonnier Books UK, uh, and I read a book recently that your organization uh, published. Uh, the uh, It was called The Tattooist of Outswitch, which was brilliant, <laughs> actually. So well done for getting that book. Uh, thank you for bringing it to the world, and it's a very popular book indeed. So I really wanted to discuss three things today. Um, I want to talk about, you know, you're in the publishing game uh, or uh, industry, shall I not call it a game, uh, and mm. also... Uh, Everyone now can do blogs and they can go online and they can stream, they can tell their stories. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to publishing, it's a very different story, isn't it? It's a very different, okay, get a keyword there, story. It's a very different situation. <laughs> you have to plan it properly. You have to make sure that you, um, uh, you structure it, not only the grammar in terms of the marketing, the complementary products, um, the fact that it has to be a very strict publishing process. Um, because it's not that easy to get a book out, you know. Um, so it'd be really good to get your views on that. And then finally, I, I recently saw that a very famous actor, uh, a black actor, who got a, an award for celebrating diversity. Well, uh, it reminded me of uh, somebody who was once uh, kind of pointed out, and they said, well, uh, you know, maybe we should have Black History Month. And he says, well, I don't have White History Month. Why should I have Black History mm. Month? Um, so, uh, you know, it's and sometimes it's difficult, you know, what people are doing is they're categorizing people. It's, it, it's fascinating. But my main point I'd really love to talk to you about is the kind of stories, you know. Are we getting enough stories coming through about our backgrounds, uh, where we've come from, the stories of our fathers and mothers, the sacrifices that they went through to come to different lands? Um, those are great, compelling stories. Well, we'll come back to them in a bit. But anyway, let's talk about the first thing. Do you think anyone, Tom, Dick and Harry, can publish these days? I mean, they can with their blogs, can't they? Well, yes, well, that is, well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. It's great to be here. Um, and on that, on the blog, yes, every, anybody can write now. Um, thanks to the internet, it's made a lot of, um, I think, platforms accessible in terms of communicating directly with your, you know, your, your audience. It's made that possible. Um, and people are using all sorts of platforms like YouTube to make videos. Instagram, you know, Facebook, people are building profiles and blogging, you know, it's been, it's been on the up for quite some time now, but it gives people the chance to sort of, you're not, you're not, there's no filters, you're in control, you write, you edit and you put it out there. So I think again, and, and social media is very much the same in terms of what people now read and see, I would say is raw and um, it's really raised a lot of interesting debates and topics about what is it that people want to consume and we as a publisher often look at these platforms when we're 
looking for new content just to see how just to see the level of interest i suppose and the level of engagement so yes if you have a, a busting desire to write um blogging is a good place to start but do you not think there's this uh I'm familiar with the term known as echo chamber where you know mm -hmm. people will kind of say something and then oh they heard it somewhere else and then it kind of you know it kind of comes down the line uh, or people just kind of identifying with a particular cause just to kind of influence their uh, their presence to become more popular but they don't really believe in stuff so you, you get mm -hmm. a bit of dilution of that content because I'm not saying it's a wrong thing that when Black Lives Matter everybody on their Instagram made their pages black uh, but do they really understand what Black Lives Matter actually meant or were they doing it because they were following a trend so there is that danger as, as well isn't there and, and that's exactly what happened when the Black Lives Matter um, movement, well, that started, that started years ago, but the recent events, unfortunate events around um, George Floyd Webber, when people started posting that black screen, a lot of, you, you noticed within 24 hours, there was a backlash that what does this actually mean? You need to support this, needs to come with action. And as a business, when we sort of, we, we made a stand against against that, but we did it in a way where we would then we donated to charities that supported the movement or support or awesome causes. And within our industry in particular, we supported um, inclusive and diverse publishers, little indies that were struggling because of COVID. And we felt, you know, that we need to get behind them because the industry needs them. And that was our way of supporting the movement by supporting them so they could be a platform for underrepresented voices. So again, so, people, so, sorry, Sap. No, that's okay. No, no I think it's mm. interesting that that point you made, I was just gonna pick up on it about the unrepresented uh, voices because um, I remember quite a few years ago, I, I saw a, a video that um, Jon Snow, uh, Channel 4, brilliant newscaster, mm. had presented yeah. and he said, uh, until the editorial team actually change because they come from a particular background. Just because you've got mm. brown face that's reading the news or um, doesn't mm. necessarily mean that that... Uh, and I met somebody from uh, one of the broadsheet papers, a particular pink coloured one, uh, and uh, he, he was a, a writer who said that uh, sometimes it's subliminal. You know, they're writing a story about India, they'll put some chap on there who's sitting on a rickshaw with his mobile phone. So the, the stereotyping of images, um, it's like, mm. you know, what... Like you said before, what is it in terms of the message that you're trying to put forward? And some of it can be distorted as well, can't it? Because other people have got other agendas. Absolutely. And that's, that is the trouble with what's out there on social media. It's unfiltered. It's raw. You have to, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting ever so more, it's becoming a minefield actually, in terms of the amount of fake news as we've termed, coined the term now, um, that's out there. Um, and so I, you know, again, I, I mean, I tell my children, whatever you read on social media, just tread with caution. If you want quality information, go to a good source, a good trusted source. Um, so if you want news, try and go to a, a, a trusted source, whether it's a newspaper or it's a social media feed that you know it's coming from a good source, you know who the journalists are, you know where it's coming, and then otherwise you will just do play games with your head, you don't know what's true, you get conflicting opinions another time. And it's great in terms of giving people a platform for, for their voice, but that's how you should approach it when you read it. It's an opinion, it's someone's opinion, or it's someone's 
stance on something, it doesn't make it right, it doesn't make it wrong, it's their opinion. And as long as you read it with those lenses on, then that, then, it, then the internet's serving its purpose. It's when people start, re start reading it, like it's their, I don't know, that the role BBC would have played once upon a time. They think this, this, this channel is now becoming my trusted source of information, but you don't know what the political agenda is behind that or whatever the agenda is and the motive is. So um, you have to be careful. And that's, again, we talk about the job that I'm in is in publishing. Our job is to provide information to people carefully curated, it's quality um, from trusted sources. And that's, that's our job to do that um, from a book perspective anyway. Do you think curation is, I mean, that's a, a thing that I've been talking about for quite a few years, actually, about curation. You know, mm. if you go to a museum, you know, if you've got somebody who's going to curate a set of artwork, they may have done mm. hundreds of pieces of art, but they might pick five particular items, and those five items can be spoken about in detail, you know, analysed in detail, presented to the public, mm. put in a show mm. situation. Um, I guess the problem that, you know, uh, the um, you know, people that don't necessarily get into the mainstream is that the, the opportunity is not always there, right, because people are not actually, you know, being able to pick it up, right? But also, isn't the publishing process a little bit hard as well? I mean, I think content for the sake of change is, is really, really positive. And it's unfortunate that in some countries content is blocked, you know, and we've seen this in many countries where, you know, people are trying to get the message out and it's just simply they can't do it because it's the, the mm. internet's locked off, closed off. But coming back to being more optimistic, then sure, you can go to Kindle where you can publish a book, right? But it could be a book amongst millions and millions and millions and you'll never exactly. be able to find it, right? Mm -hmm. And also, what about the quality of it? Has somebody done proper you know, graphics and the grammar being checked or is there a, a PR machine behind it? Can you tell us a little bit about, I know that you uh, were recently on Sky, as I mentioned earlier, um, you've had a lot of people have in, interested in saying they'd like to get their book published. Obviously, you've got to go through the process to make sure that it's um, mm. a, a story that would resonate uh, with a with a, a particular target, etc. But what is the publishing process in, in brief? In term, I know you, we could spend hours talking about it, but <laughs> is there a set of things that guidelines yeah. that people need to follow when they're doing it? The um... I'll, I'll give a, current, a generic approach. Um, so if you are thinking of writing, albeit fiction or non-fiction, um, you, the first, your starting point is to find, it's, is key, is finding a good agent who will, you need to, there's, you get a writer's handbook and in there they list all the different agencies. There's, there's so many of them and what their speciality is. But I think if you're new in this game, it is really, really important to identify an agent that's going to help you shape your work and get it in a, the right form for a publisher to review. Because we get, we get so many submissions um, every week um, and our inboxes are inundated. And what makes something stick out is usually, obviously we have our things that we're looking out for, um, but the quality, the, the actual shape of the writing, this, the condition that it's in, we'd say that that doesn't need, hopefully that's not, we, ho we do hold new authors' hands. We've launched a lot of debut careers, um, but it is um, it, to some sort of state um, that then we can, you know, to review, because if things come in too raw, it's very difficult for a publisher. So the agent plays a role in doing that. 
So I know uh, lots of agents I've heard, <laughs> some don't all, all do that. So it's really important you, if you find that agent that you connect with, have a good relationship with, that gets what you're doing. Um, and then they then submit it to publishers. Now, depending on what it is, if it's something quite new, if, they th if the agent thinks this is a great debut author, they can get an auction started, or if it, they, or they might just submit it to publishers and see who's interested to the right editorial team in each publishing house. Now, each publishing house, we have in our editorial team, we have like an adult editorial team, a children's editorial team, and then we have publishing, we call them acquisitions directors who are known in the industry for the type of books that they publish. So they have a very strong relationship with agents. So the agents will know who to approach with what project. Um, and then they will then take it into the business and then review with the business through, if they like it, they want it on their list with marketing, sales, PR, to get their interest in there. And as long as everybody's interested um, or passionate or thinks there's a, an opportunity with this project, will then make an offer for the book and then acquire the book. And then it's a long, it's a long process. Um, then they start the process of actually shaping the book so that it goes into the editor, editor's hands and they work very closely with the author on shaping the story, structuring it, editing, proofreading, all of that. And then same time marketing starts seeding the book with retailers, um, publicity machine sort of starts kicking in sort of three to four months before the book's published. And depending again, because every book's different, um, the, it, this whole the time frame from acquisition through to publication we could be talking up between 18 to 24 months and wow. then the sales kick in it's a really it's a long journey and i think you know again it's really one of the things that have been very topical in our industry is diversity is representation and do we have enough diversity in the industry and the answer frankly has been no we haven't um, and it's been quite a closed shop, I guess, for some communities publishing. I mean, I joined publishing many years ago, but I never had, I never was aware about publishing. I accidentally landed in publishing um, and mm. I, came, I went for a sales job and it just so happened it was in the publishing industry and I actually loved books and I couldn't believe where I was and I thought I'm staying here now because I actually loved books I didn't I didn't I wasn't actually aware of a career in publishing I just thought books for some when I was a child I loved them that the author somehow managed to write this book and they ended up on shelves in libraries and shops I had no idea about the process behind it and how complex it is and that it's an actual business um, so when I accidentally sort of arrived in this place um, and people then talk about like okay why why don't we have much representation in the industry well, it's, you know, um, it, it's one of those industries where it was not what you know, it's who you know. And all the low level entry jobs when you come in, I mean, they're very low paid when you start. It's a media, it's, it's very much like people enter the film industry or the music industry or, you know, theatre. You know, the publishing industry is very much, you know, in the similar vein, people have this, you know, aspiration to work in publishing from a very young age. So they are going through the channels, through colleges, through the same universities, through the same courses, and they have all the same network connections. And people give them, you go, you go in, um, you, it's all London-centric. It's quite a London-centric industry. Mm. And when I said, you know, the, the salaries are very low to start with. So that becomes a barrier to entry as well. Um, and you get certain class of people coming in who can afford to work 
for very little money. And luckily, ironically, because I had moved back home and was living with my parents, um, could actually afford <laughs> to work for that salary. Um, but most people, if you're trying to attract talent from around the country, you come to London, you wouldn't be able to afford to live on that. So that then becomes a deterrent um, for a certain class of people. And so over the years, it's just become um, very much carbon copies of each other. You'll see that everybody looks quite the same. They look of the same color, same color, same background. And, and actually, I've discovered over recently, there's a lot of people who actually have come from different backgrounds. But when they come there, it's one of those things. You arrive in this industry and everyone speaks in a certain way and they look of a certain way. And you have this, it's just the, you just want to fit in. So you find yourself um, conforming. And I was guilty of that when I first started. Um, of course, when I, I arrived in publishing, I thought, wow, this is like a new world I didn't even know existed. Um, but very, very soon after that, I started feeling a little bit like out of place because there was no one else that I could see that looked like me, spoke like me. And I thought, my God, I started questioning myself. I had that imposter syndrome. Do I belong here? And then, um, and I now will have been, I will now confess, um, started doing, you know, taking grammar lessons in the evening, um, special, just so that I was careful about my language because I was always a numbers person. And I thought, oh my God, I don't speak the Queen's English. How, how I'm going to get caught out. I never, um, I never used to admit where I'd lived, where I came from, which was Southall. I lived in West London, all these things. I just wanted to fit in and blend in with everyone else. Um, and, um, she's, um, which was, I think, was the problem with that industry because it wasn't me. I was many people were doing that. And I'm not just talking about people of colour. I'm talking about people from, you know, working class backgrounds too that are, that were white as well, just wanted to fit in. So I think that's, that's we created our problem, you know, a problem over the years where everyone would started looking the same. I luckily, I left the industry and started working with the core of the industry. I started working for independents, small businesses. And then I arrived, I came back 10 years ago in this business, which was still an unknown company, we've pretty much grown in the last six years from a small little children's publisher to now being the sixth largest publisher in the country. Um, and now I'm back Amazing. on the main stage. Um, thank you. And so now it's suddenly we're aware that not much has changed in the last two and a half decades. And I mean, it is happening, but it's slow. But I think again, it's really important. It's it's not one solution. We need the gatekeepers of taste to change um, because until we have people represented across the whole ecosystem, that's not just in publishing. This is also at retail because they make the selections. But, I mean, I can say we can have all our writers come. We, hmm? Sorry. Is there a fear? Is there a fear amongst you know the establishment in terms of the established players mm. um, to take? Do take a risk. Um, I was thinking of interesting. There's a BBC um, uh, mini series, fifteen million pounds to make the program. It's called The Suitable Boy. Um, it was written, mm. written by Rickham. I think it stars mm. Taboo. Uh, I think it's a six-part thing. Um, yeah. I think interesting. It's you know, a great book, by the way. It's one of them. That was thick. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but but I mean, that's quite a few years ago that that book was published. But how mm. much are people taking coming back to the points you were making about mm. wanting to fit in or a particular background of people that are there um does that make them think in a particular way that only take risks on certain um projects right 
um, mm. if it kind of fulfills their criteria. I mean, that book is a very, very um, deep uh, in terms of description, detail. Uh, I mean, mm. I can't remember how many, it must be about a thousand pages at least, you know, if not that, more than that. But the issue here is that there are many different stories. So does that mean that people are, because they're from different backgrounds, they're not willing to listen to those stories, or they're not aware of those stories? There's a bit of that, that uh, Donald Rumsfeld, you, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? Because they're mm. not exposed, because they've not mm. had that conversation. Um, or could it be something even worse than that, that if you look at the British, for example, in India, they were there for hundreds of years. You know, they've left buildings mm. there. They've left establishment there. They've left, you know, um, administration systems behind, right? Is there, a, even if you look at the story of Udham Singh, right? You know, who uh, mm. last week was was his uh, uh, anniversary of, uh, of his uh, particular situation where he had been, uh, he'd come over and uh, Michael Dyer was the guy at the General on a Bark in 1919 uh, and, and he shot the guy at Caxton Hall. Now that's a story, right? And there have mm. been some movies. Is, do you think that certain people are embarrassed about uh, revealing their past, therefore they don't want to discuss those stories? Or is it, like I said before, what they don't know, they don't know, because they're not open enough to be able to actually be presented with these ideas? Because it's not like there's not enough stories. There are plenty of them, right? Yeah. I think probably a combination of both, but I think it's more probably leaning towards, I mean, I've worked in the industry and there is a, such a lovely industry. The people are great. I think it's more complacency as well. And after all, we are, it is a business. And so we have certain processes and criteria when we're reviewing projects when they come in and they go through the same scrutiny every single time. So it's the same, same new measurements that we're measuring against previous books. So every, it seems it sort of, it becomes very, I don't know, systematic in that when you're trying to bring something new in, it is risky. And do we take a gamble? And it's not so much, it's not just the actual writing in itself, which you're right. There's plenty of stories out there, well-written stories that we could publish. But it's about going on, as I explained to you, it's a almost two-year journey, an editorial um, process from acquisition so it's having the comfort to want to do that first the passion so a lot of um projects are acquired on passion so have we got the right people acquiring why would you be passionate about that story that you can't relate to or connect to or not yeah. actually disinterested in um because it is a two as i said it's a two-year process then where i think it really becomes problematic is the sales marketing and pr to make this, these books a success because when they take these gambles and then they don't work it's like well tried that but it was like it just didn't work it's just you know the industry is not agile enough i mean this is the overused word yeah. agile i mean mm -hmm. use it in it use it in business uh, where they use this philosophy which is test and learn or incubation or putting feeders out there um, and mm -hmm. as you described earlier on if you've got, a, you know, you have to seed it, you have to make sure it grows and it turns into the product that you mm. want it to be. Why can't there not be a shortcut process that says, all right, we've got, mm. we've got 15,000 people, right? Okay, we're going to release this, say, two or three paragraphs about the story. We're going to test to mm. see whether or not that resonates with them. And if it does, that that is not you spending millions, but you spending a mm. fraction of that 
the test to see whether those particular um, elements of a story can actually come out and actually be worth something, um, not only for the person who's written it, because obviously they may have a mission themselves, but it brings the story to a wider field, but not, but without taking the wider financial risk, which you would have to do if you went through the two-year cycle. Are any of those processes in place? Um, but is, is there an opportunity for us to do that so we can get more and more people engaged uh, from different backgrounds? Absolutely. And this is one of the things I've been championing now, like, like in terms of risk-taking, the digital space allows us to do that. So one of the things that I'm looking at and right now is setting up um, a digital first imprint within our business. One of those strands are going to be, you know, inclusive and diverse publishing, underrepresented voices. So we can probably control more just do through ebook. Ebooks are so much easier. You don't have gatekeepers at retail, you know, saying, oh, that won't work. I've got to get the return on my sh um, shop floor space that I've got and I've only got this X amount of space, so I'm going to give it to sort of like the no-brainers, the easy, the easy wins. Um, but we can we can experiment more, and we can actually target audiences um, through social media and find out where these potential you know audience readers are and talk to them directly with even snippets of content. And indeed, with the idea that if they love it, they can go and download the book. And if they then, if there's enough engagement with the ebook. Um, then there's a, then we can always roll it roll it out on physical. So it's done the other way around, um, and that yep, then minimizes takes some of the risk out. So there isn't there is that is something I'm going to be looking to launch later this year, and we are doing that merely because I've been absolutely inundated with um, lots of manuscripts from people from all not just people of color but loads of different backgrounds, who um, who said, look, I'm just like I need I need some help. How do I get published? And I just know it's it, you, it's it's such a labour of love when people write, and this is a good way to get something out there. Um, and we can then help with the, the editorial side. We'll create a lovely jacket, put it onto put it on, on onto our ebook platform, and that's another another avenue to get yourself published. Um, and then the, yeah. and that's the difference between working with a publisher or going to somewhere like Amazon and doing becoming self-published because you can put your content out there but it you know it's having all that support for making sure it's editorially correct um, and also the marketing and the PR discoverability online is so difficult I mean it's great you have you can anyone can publish out there but the 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 the, the, the kickback is discoverability and that's the challenge making sure people can discover you because it's just so much out there um, it's making sure that people find you, right? finding the right keywords, the metadata, promotion, putting it, positioning, so making sure all those things, um, which is now. But I think it's it, again, it's it, it's it will open up doors for so many more other new sort of talent to come through. Um, and yes, the stories are important. And again, um, as I said, it, it's today it's been difficult because of the, who the gatekeepers have been. And it's been purely because they don't understand, they don't connect, and it's it's complacency. It's they know they're going to. Yeah. And again, it's a commercial decision versus oh, what's the right thing to do? And and actually, I think you know that's all going to change now. There's a big movement going on, and I think there will be change. But um, I, always, I people who know me will know that I'm constantly I'm saying this. Real meaningful change does take time. 
and I truly believe it's going to be generational. Um, and I think, you know, our generations come through, like myself, I said, I knew nothing of publishing. I was the first one to go to university in my family. No one knew, I didn't have any career advice. I went to a very, you know, a school that didn't really offer that. Parents didn't know much about opportunities. There was the standard stereotype stuff, you know, become, you know, a lawyer or an accountant or doctor. That's all they knew. Um, so they didn't know about this. There's so many opportunities out there. So I kind of like, I've worked it out myself. Luckily I've been motivated, I'm very driven and I've created my own path, my own journey. And people often say to me, you know, have it, it was really difficult, you know, you know, has it been challenging? And I'm, I'm like, well, yeah, it has been, but I, I, I knew it was very early on. I knew it was going to be, and I actually just embraced it and thought, you well, know, there's, there's I'm a going message to in that as well, isn't it? But, you know, you, yeah, unless you like, put you your hard to, work like, in, you know? Yeah, you have to put yeah. the work in. And, and, and if you really want, why do you want the change? Well, our parents came here and they, did, had their own set of challenges. My parents brought up, eight, I'm one of eight. They worked all hours, worked numerous shifts to give us an easier life. It wasn't about them, it was about us. And I think, you know, I'm having a good life, but at the same time, I'm gonna have to put in the work and I'm going to have to embrace the challenges. They are gonna be obstacles, um, but I'm paving the way for the next generation so that they are more, I think well. easier. Yeah, definitely well. um, I was gonna say, thank you so much for coming on. As I said before, you're a very busy person. Uh, I wish you continued success. You're definitely making a difference. Good to meet you. And I think uh, whoever will come in contact with uh, with the organisation, I'm sure will do extremely well because uh, you're passionate about what you do. Uh, and uh, I wish you uh, all the best. And I hope to see you again. Mm -hmm.